Thank you for listening to this message from Forward Ministries. We pray it blesses you, encourages you, and inspires grace in you today. You can visit us online at forwardministries.org. I just finished a series on being an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. And, you know, we talked about the details of how that happens, and ultimately it's living in acknowledgement of what the blood accomplished for you. It is finished, and you live under the influence of the spirit that's in you now because you are cleansed with the blood, which leaves you holy. That's how you get holy, right, is the blood cleanses you, and then you're inhabited by the spirit of God, and you're made righteous in the process. That whole process of redemption and reconciliation, it's all wrapped up in you being cleansed by the blood of Jesus, you getting a new heart, and him putting his spirit in you. We, we make it difficult, right? We, we, we dissect theologically redemption and reconciliation and restoration and all of those things, all the words that we have, and it's like, you know, it's all talking about the one thing, and that is when you say yes to what Jesus did, his spirit does a work within you and changes the kind of being that you are and leaves you inhabited by God. Amen. Thank God. Thank God. <clears throat> that means you don't have to try to perform to get him to like you. And that means you can't perform your way out of him liking you. And in fact, even loving you. And we know that, right? But we still struggle with depression and anxiety and fear and sin and lack and just just the weight of life. So it's, so it's interesting because, you know, we have this gospel, and the way that we preach it, we focus very heavily, really exclusively on the new covenant. It doesn't mean we don't ever talk about the old. It just means I'm going to talk to you as if you actually are under the new because you are, yeah. and you're in the new. So I want to talk to who you really are. But, you know, we talk about the old sometimes, but from an identity perspective, you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I don't care what she says about you. <laughs> she only has good things to say. I'm just kidding. We don't need to talk later. We're good. <laughs> but you understand what I'm saying. It's like <clears throat> we have the knowledge, we have the doctrinal perspective of how we can go through and understand what grace is, what righteousness is, what holiness is, but sometimes we don't really live that way. And depending on how far you, how, really honestly, I think it's how new you are to understanding the new covenant perspective, you still make it about how free you are. In other words, like you understanding the new covenant means it's, it has everything to do with what you don't have to do anymore. Amen. Like I don't have to give, I don't have to go to church, I don't have to pray, I don't have to do all that stuff. It's like, okay. But I want. Yeah. So you transition through the I don't have tos, and you get back to a place where you're like, you know what, I, I, I just want a fellowship. I want to be generous. I want to, I want to see my behavior change. I don't want to stay stuck in sin, but have the excuse that God loves me anyway. I want it to bear fruit in my life. And, and hopefully you get to a place where you understand laboring to experience the rest of God is not working for righteousness. It's not working for holiness. It's not working for favor. It's working internally to get your heart confident in him. And that's, that's, that's really the difficulties that we have in life, life 
come from how confident you are in God from a heart level. Your problem is not that you don't have enough information. Now, think about it. You wake up and you pray. I hope you wake up and pray, but you wake up and you pray, God, show me this, tell me this, lead me to this. And it's like we're looking for him to give us something that if we got that, oh, now it makes sense now. Now I understand it. Now I can do it. <clears throat> That's carnal thinking. Spirit thinking realizes, no, I am already complete in this. It's true. It, 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 you look at yourself first from the identity of God's love for you through the finished work of Jesus. Then you move toward this life. So depending on your background, the reason if you believe in healing or if you don't believe in healing, at least everybody believes that God will answer prayer on some level. Let's just at least leave it that broad, right? <clears throat> what we do is when we pray and something doesn't happen, depending on our theological background, we have all kinds of areas we go. Well, it's not God's timing. And I get that. But I also get that if Jesus paid for it, it's yours right now. There is no timing for healing. It's in the blood. There is no timing for provision. It's in the blood. Everything that God has for you that comes by grace through faith is yours now. In other words, we're saved by grace through faith. And what does saved mean? Made whole. Healed. Delivered. Delivered. It's a list. Sealed. I put two of them together. Healed, saved, restored, redeemed, rescued, protected. Did I say delivered? We'll say that one twice. Some of us need to be delivered twice. Kept safe, reconciled, and... You know, because you say prospered, and some people say, well, that's not the definition of sozo, but it is in the definition of soteria, which is salvation. So I'm getting a little technical on you, but one of the aspects of salvation is to be prospered. Amen. I'm not talking about where you're driving your Bugatti on your golden driveway. <laughs> a Bugatti is like a really, how much? Three million. Three million dollar car, that's right. The one with the powder blue with the... If you ever hit the lottery, you can buy me one of those. You never get to test drive. No. They deliver it. Anyway, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about like what it says in Psalm 1, that a man who meditates in the, in the law, now don't panic about law, that basically just means the best way to live on this planet, not what you do for righteousness. But God said, look, if you live this way, it'll go well for you on this planet. That's what I'm talking about, the law. So he who meditates in the law day or night is like a man, is like a tree planted by streams of water. Amen. And there's three things that happen in that scenario. You're, the leaves don't wither. I mean, what does that mean? What, what would it mean for you if the word of God were so alive in your heart? I don't mean just scripture. I mean the spirit of the living God. The manifest presence of God within you was so alive that your leaves don't wither. What, what, would that, what does that mean to you? Your leaves don't wither. It's evergreen. You don't wear out. You don't get tired. You don't get burned out. What does it mean? What do you think? Huh? I get to keep my hair. You get to keep your hair. <laughs> think about it. I mean, what does it mean to you? 
See, that's what's interesting because when you come across parables that are about the kingdom, because that's essentially what he's talking about is the kind of life that you can have now that you're delivered from the power of darkness and translated into the kingdom, all of those parables apply as well, even all the way back to Psalm 1. <clears throat> Your leaf will not wither. What? I mean, think. I don't know why I'm stuck on this, but just think about that. Think about that for a minute. What does that mean for you? See, because Jesus would teach, and he would teach very specific. They would say, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And he would address that person specifically with specific answers. But when he would talk about the kingdom, he'd say, well, you know, it's kind of, it's like this. You know what I'm, you understand what I'm saying? Jesus, when he would talk about spiritual matters, he didn't give you the line upon line, precept upon precept. He would paint a picture so that your heart could get it. And he would say, those who have ears to hear, let them hear. Ultimately, this is where we're going over the next few weeks is to talk about the heart. But I kind of want to set it up before we really get there. So <clears throat> when you come across a promise like that, your leaf, the leaves of that kind of person won't wither. Then you can attach another promise to it that says that he will meet all your needs according to his riches and glory exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask or think. Put those two together, exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask or think, your leaves won't wither. And imagine, and keep it alive in your heart, and let him breathe on that, and let him give you pictures, and let other people confirm that within you, and go to a church that will actually teach that. Sorry, I just had to... They drove down from Cartersville, so... <laughs> so... <clears throat> And then, um, y'all help me out, it's three. The leaves won't wither. Everything he puts his hand to prospers. This is someone who is allowing God to abide within them. Allowing not just the Bible, not just the law, not the precepts of, of what you think you're supposed to do to keep God happy. I'm talking about the, 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 word, the, the, alive, the, the life aspect of God within you. When you let that reign within you, everything you put your hand to prospers. Wow, really? No dry seed. The leaves don't wither. Everything he does prospers. And he'll bear fruit in season. That's the third one. You will bear fruit. You will bear fruit. Some of you are thinking, I don't see that fruit. It's taking a long time for that fruit to happen. Well, you know, are you letting worry creep in? Are you letting fear creep in? Are you letting doubt creep in? Because it's, it's, having, a, it's having an effect on the fruit. It just does. I'm going to throw a whole lot at you today because I'm beginning a new series that I want to talk about the heart. I'm going to read Mark 4 next week. I thought I was going to do it this week, but I've got some other things I want to say. So just be ready to have a lot of things thrown at you. Over the, over the coming weeks, I'm going to break them all down. We'll talk about what the heart is, and, and, and how to let ourselves be influenced to experience transformation, not to get more holy, not to get more righteous, but to experience what we've been given. See, because you start to learn these things, and we become idealistic, and we say, well, if I'm righteous, and I'm holy, and all God's promises are yes and amen, then he should just give them to me. I should just have them. Just, what's the matter with you, God? Why aren't you giving it to me? I mean, you know, you might not get that aggressive, but that's how we feel, right? We get idealistic, meaning it should be this way. You ever do that when you talk to God? Look, God, I'm, you, I'm perfect. You're the problem. 
You, you, you understand what I'm saying. He's made us perfect. He's made us holy in the blood. But what's going on? Why are some people experiencing provision and some aren't? Why are some people experiencing more favor and some aren't? How come this one can get healed and this one can't? Why is it that this one can find a mate and this one can't? Why is it that stuff seems to work out for this one and this one doesn't? Is it because God likes this one better? No. Is it because, God, is it because this one has figured out how to be more spiritual and more pleasing to God? I mean, does this one give more money so therefore is more qualified? It has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with what's going on in your heart, the degree of the kingdom that you will let yourself experience in this life. All undergirded by new covenant truth and reality. But then, let's deal with this life. Praise God, God loves me, but I'm depressed. You know, I, I know that the blood of Jesus has made me holy, and I can't sin my way out of that. But I am scared to death every day of my life. I worry about money. I wor- I'm, I'm saying what you say. <laughs> No, it's true. We're building a house, man. I'm stressed. <clears throat> so I'm having to continually put this stuff into practice, you know, just give it to him. But this is, I'm talking about where the rubber meets the road. It's like, okay, praise God you know God loves you. Praise God you have come to the understanding that you actually are safe in the blood of Jesus and the covenant is sure between the Father and the Son and you are engrafted in by faith. Praise God you know that. But is that actually affecting your day-to-day life? Where when you wake up, the, first, the very first awareness that comes to you is everything's okay because I'm loved by God. I am at peace. I mean, you know the condition of your heart based on what's going on in your mind when you're trying to fall asleep. It's true, you know. Some of you, and, and I'm, not, I'm not bashing this, but some of us, some of you that fall asleep with the TV on or you can't, you can't just drift off to sleep because of that chaos that's going on or the, or the anxiety or the whatever, it's like, praise God, you know that God loves you, but you're not letting this fruit, that you're not letting this kingdom that is within you bear full fruit to put you at peace. That's what I want to talk about over the next couple of weeks is we're not abandoning the truth. We're not abandoning the gospel I just want us to get to a place where it's actually bearing fruit within us. Not that you're going to work for it. You can't work for it. It's more like gardening where you're, going to, you're just going to make sure the soil, your heart, is prepared to let the kingdom bear fruit in your life. And all of that happens at a heart level. The word heart, so I, I, I'm going to kind of talk around what the heart is. You know, My goal is not to try to give you a picture or a definition per se, of what the heart is, but the function of the heart is what I want to talk about, right? I've got a diagram we're going to show up here in a little bit. Don't get stuck on that. Don't leave from this series thinking that, okay, now I figured out my problem. I got to fix my heart. No, that's not the goal of what we're talking about. In fact, you could never learn this information in your entire life and just trust God and it would bear fruit. This is not like the missing puzzle of how to figure out how to finally bear fruit. Because all these principles, you've heard these things your entire life of being taught about trusting God. But I just want to talk about the identity aspect of what happens within us, what our heart is, how we contend it, 
how we can guard it, how we can write on it, and how we can get ourselves to a place where we're in confident trust toward God from our heart in every situation. Does that sound good? So the heart in, in the King James Version is mentioned over 830 times in over 700 passages. I mean, that's, that's a lot. Like the word obedience is in there maybe a couple hundred times. The word love is in there four or five hundred times. I mean, it's mentioned more than some of the big things, right? I mean, more than obedience, the heart. So here's your homework over the next few weeks. Go through, find you a good um, online study tool, or you can do it the old school way and drag out the concordance. But go through and read scriptures about the heart. You know, just, I don't know, whenever, whenever it works for you, take a 15, 15 minutes a day and pull up Blue Letter Bible or Bible Hub or whatever and just do a search for heart and just read the passages about the heart. What you find is you'll start learning the function of the heart, that you think in your heart. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. It's where God deposits things. You see in Moses and Exodus where God deposits, it says directly, God deposited wisdom in Moses' heart. And Moses, from that deposit of wisdom, lived from that and, and led and guided from that. Well, I thought Moses lived and led from those stone tablets. No, it was what God put in his heart that brought him to a capacity to interpret that stuff. God's always been after the heart. Not so much obedience. Obedience follows a heart that's in faith toward him. Amen? So <clears throat> you believe. You believe from the heart. This is in Romans. It's with the heart that we believe unto righteousness. With the mouth confession is made unto salvation. We'll deal with the second part maybe in a couple of weeks. But So the heart believes. It thinks. It believes. It meditates. It has eyes. The eyes of your heart the understanding of your heart. Just, just go through and start to kind of look at the function. It's a really interesting study. So we know from the old covenant, old, yeah, I guess you could call them old covenant prophecies about the new, that one of the factors of, the, of us being in the new covenant would mean that we have a new heart. The heart if you look at the definitions of the Hebrew and Greek, the heart is the real you. It's the inner man. You can get that Ephesians 3 passage ready, Philip. It's, it's the seat of your being is what it calls it. it it's, the, it's what defines what kind of being you are. Now, I say this this way. I know other people have different interpretations, and I'm okay with that, but just, just for, to get it on the table so you can understand what I mean, in, in the Garden of Eden, <clears throat> when God created mankind, it says that he breathed the breath of life in and man became a living soul. Now, it does refer to the spirit of man throughout the Old Testament, but when you receive the spirit of God, you become an eternal spiritual being having received the gift of eternal life. Now, I'm not really trying to parse out too much theology in that, but the point being, when you get born again, you get a new heart. The new heart and the indwelling Spirit of God is what defines you as a new creation. 
right? Because it says that we have become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. All things pass away. All, th- you know, all things become new. We're new creatures. What makes you a new creature is not that God says, oh, look, you've got faith. I'm going to pretend I'm going to pretend like I'm looking at you through Jesus glasses and pretend like you're righteous and pretend like you're an eternal creature now or a creature that's full of life no what happens is and these are old testament prophecies that God will remove your stony heart and give you a new heart he describes it as a heart of flesh but I don't think flesh is the nature of the heart as much as it is just meaning that it's alive it's pliable it's soft toward God. That's, that's identity exchange. That's new creature transformation. That's going from death to life. That's going from being in this world cut off from God to being engrafted into God because you are in Christ. That's what happens. You getting a new heart means you become a different kind of being. You go from a servant to a friend. Jesus said, I no longer call you servants, I call you friends. What happens in that is the blood of Jesus or the life of Jesus cleanses you, leaves you holy, leaves you at a place where you can be inhabited by God because where God lives, it has to be holy. And where does God live? In you. I mean, he's everywhere, but never before was God inside of mankind. Now, again, I'm, you know, we're, I'm giving you a buffet today and then we'll break it all down, but I just want you thinking a lot about, okay, let me get my mind kind of geared toward this heart thing, and, and we'll, we'll just walk this out over the next you know, month or so. Because really, it's a, it's a lifelong process of learning how to live from the heart under the influence of God because you're already accepted and made righteous and made holy. It's like God has created the environment within you to lead you from inside. Your job is to keep your heart focused on Him so that you will be led and you'll be less influenced by the world. Again, not to earn, not to qualify, but to live out the leading of His Spirit in a real way. Amen? Amen. So let's, let's do the Ephesians 3 passage because... You know, when we talk about the heart, I think the, the idea of what the heart is is brought up other places. Here it says inner being or inner man. I think that's he's, he's talking about what the heart is, the inside, the real you. So this is Ephesians 3, Paul talking. <clears throat> I pray that out of his glorious riches, who's? He may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Now, you, you've heard me say it. I say it a lot in here. But Christ, you're one with Christ in your spirit. But you may or may not let be, let, be letting Christ dwell in your heart. And I'll, I'll say more about that so that makes more sense. Meaning, that place where you believe, that place where you think, that may or may not be under the influence of Christ, But that doesn't mean that you go back and forth out of salvation. That just means, are you more influenced by the world or are you more influenced by the indwelling Spirit of God? So being strengthened in your inner being or in your heart or in your inner man is for the purpose of allowing Christ to dwell in your heart. That's what we want. We want to allow Christ to influence our heart. 
And it's also very interesting that the definition of the word uh, grace is divine influence on my heart. It does mean favor. It means capacity, but it means a divine influence on our hearts. This is in, uh, if you look up just the basic strong, sometimes it leaves it out. It just sticks with favor, but a little bit more exhaustive uh, dictionary or concordance does bring in a divine influence on the heart. Why? You got to think about it. If the heart is where you believe, it's like God is influencing your beliefs. If the heart is where you really think, then it's like God influencing your thoughts. If you live, if you're going to do what you feel in your heart, then you want to, that part of you to be influenced by God. Amen? So, and I pray that you being rooted and established in love. So, it's almost like he gives it out of order here. He could have said, look, make sure you're rooted in God's love so that you are opening your heart to Christ in that environment of God's love for you so that you are strengthened in your inner man. Right? You're not taken out of his love based on your behavior because it's a spiritual truth. You're one with God in your spirit, sealed by the blood of Jesus. And your heart is what connects you to, between this world and God. So, and I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's people to grasp how wide and long and how deep and how high is the love of Christ and to know this love, and this word know is experiential knowledge that passes knowledge that you may be filled or under the influence of, but filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. So when you know that God loves you, when you are acknowledging God, when that's the environment or the context of the relationship that you're in with God, love, you know God loves you, that you are yielding your heart to His influence to be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. Now, let me ask you this. Are there situations in your life, let me ask it this way, is every part of your life filled to the measure of the fullness of God? And you see the difference, right? But I'm complete in Him. It's all done. He's just going to do everything. Okay, yeah, that's true spiritually. I'm not saying that you've got to perform your way into blessing, but you experiencing what He has for you is dependent upon, are you from a heart level confident in Him to let that stuff bear fruit in your life? It's interesting how we learn these things, and, and again, in our idealism, we think, well, I don't, but I don't have to work anymore for anything. No, that's true. You don't, but you had to believe. Believing doesn't make God release it. It's just like putting water on the seed. It, it's, it's, it has to grow. It has to bear fruit. So let's go, let's go ahead and put up this diagram. Now, you can just put up the third one with all this stuff on it. I, I got this. I made this myself, but I got the information from uh, Jim Richards, Impact Ministries, in fact, if you want to dig really deep into the heart stuff, we've got a book in the bookstore. It's called um, Moving Your Invisible Boundaries. I recommend everybody read that book. It's, it's incredible. So, you know, I went to his school and I got some, uh, a lot of this, but I, I, I've, I teach it my own way from the pastoral perspective, and I'm finding it to help people. I know that uh, 
Rachel was here in first service and she was just amen in the whole thing because Rachel, most of you heard Rachel's testimony where, you know, she knows this stuff, but she was still struggling with anxiety. And so now she's learning a new way to live and it's changing her life. It's changing her world. It's changing how she's experiencing these things. And see, this is, a pro- this is, this is the problem within Christianity is that we know all of these things intellectually but we don't really believe them on a heart level. And the reason I say that is because we're not experiencing the things that God says that we can have. So, again, don't get caught up on trying to figure out, am I a soul that has a spirit that lives in a body? Am I a spirit that has a soul that lives in a body and the brain connects this and the heart connects? You know, I'm not, don't even really get caught up on that. I'm not interested in trying to define those I'm more interested in in describing the function of our relationship with God. And and for the next month or so, we're going to focus on the heart aspect. So you could say that out here, can y'all see my shadow? I keep doing this like y'all think, like like y'all can see it. But let's just say over here you've got the world coming at you. And your five senses take information in and you feel things and you see things and your brain uh, you know, calculates, and let's just say your brain is working properly. We'll just, I'll just give you that one, but... <clears throat> Sorry. It interprets what happened, right? And you all know the brain doesn't actually think. It's just a processor. Chemical reactions happen. Physiological things happen. Electromagnetic things happen that then starts to affect in our body. And it produces the emotions, and then we feel things, and we think things based on what happened out here. It filters into us, and then it gets into our mind, and we start thinking about it, right? So your thoughts live in your mind, but your beliefs live in your heart. And your thoughts are not necessarily your beliefs, and that's, that's what can cause a contradiction and, and, a, and a conflict a lot of times because we think we believe and we have truth in our thinking, but is it actually in our heart? Now, the good news is God put everything that you need to believe already in your heart. It says that when you get this new, new heart, it is, it is encoded with his laws. And again, that means it's encoded with the best way to live on this planet. Not what you got to do to be righteous or what you got to do to get God to give you things. It's no, this is how this planet works. I'm going to put something within you that intuitively knows how to live the best way on this planet. In every situation that you face, it is encoded within you to know how to face it and know how to live it. Back to your problem is not a lack of information. Your problem is a lack of confidence of living from the heart. Now, some of us should live from the heart, but some of us shouldn't. You hear that phrase, just do what's in your heart. Well, some of y'all don't need to do what's in your heart. (laughs) Because your heart is more being influenced by the world and what's going on. You've allowed to dwell within your mind and your emotions to affect your heart. And your heart can be overcharged, the Bible says, with what's going on in the world. Or... It can be influenced by the spirit of the living God within you, being strengthened in your inner man and in your inner being, knowing that you are rooted and grounded in the love of God, 
so that the fullness of the measure of God bears fruit within you. And this all happens through your heart. So your goal is not get your heart right or get your heart working or any of that kind of stuff. It's how can I clear this side so that my, the eyes, I might should recreate this graphic, put little eyes in there or something looking toward God, you know, with a smiley face and looking toward the world with a frowny face. Maybe that'll work, right? <laughs> How can you keep your heart in confidence toward Him rather than being so influenced by the world? That is the battle you face. And I'll say this, I'm going to go over Mark 4 next week. But I think it is also the reason why sometimes healing bears fruit, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes you can receive provision easily, sometimes you can't. What's going on in your heart? Which one's it focused on? Is it looking to the world or is it looking to God? Again, it's not saying, oh, look, you're looking at me, here's some provision. It's God is like a river, a flood, constantly being poured out to you. He's not pulling back provision at some times and giving it more to you at other times. It's like your heart is the levy. Your heart is the governor that determines how much are you going to let God bless you. Jesus said that. They would ask Jesus, uh, you know, heal me. And he would say, what is it? What would, what, how did he say it in King James? Something, what wilt, what wilt thou that I doest for you or something like that? Huh? Basically, what he was saying is, what are you willing to let me do for you? You know, there's only about 12 or 14 specific personal miracles recorded in the Bible, uh, in the ministry of Jesus. I mean, there are, there are, there's several where it's like, and he healed them all, you know. But I mean, as far as a personal interaction where he directly healed someone and he communicated with them, 75% of the time he would say, your faith has made you whole. What? My faith? Well, where was their faith? In him. That's why they could let him heal them. See, and, and depending on your background and the theological ground you stand on, you might think that if God heals this one but not that one, it's just his sovereign will that this one be healed and this one not be healed. But he's not a respecter of persons. If that's true... Think about this. I mean, let's, let's get practical. If that's true that he's deciding who to heal and not to heal, then he should have given you an immune system and not given you an immune system. I mean, think about that. If he's deciding who gets healed or not, let's take it all the way back to that. Say, I don't want you healed, so I'm not giving you an immune system. No, that just doesn't make sense, right? But we have trouble with this because, number one, we don't want to take this much responsibility over receiving from God. Right. We just want to kick back and say, you know, it's his fault. And unfortunately, in kind of this grace movement, this, this awakening of the gospel that's happening, some say, well, you just don't have to do anything. You just let God do it all. It's like, I get what you're saying, but don't eliminate that you have responsibility over the trust, your trust toward God. Right. And you keeping your inside straight toward Him so that it has a chance to bear fruit. Now, see, what we typically have in Christianity is this. A lot of preaching that deals with this, this side over here. 
Get your behavior right. Get yourself cleaned up. Get, your, get sin out of your life. Then God will bless you. You know, learn how to be holy. You got to be holy here and, and, def, and, and, and rege, relegates holiness and righteousness to what's going on here. It's like, no, you got it backwards. It originates here. And I hope that you let it affect here. But if you don't, it doesn't change it here. And that's where it's eternal. That's where your righteousness comes from, is you being one with God, because you are hidden with Christ in God. Amen? Amen. So then what you want to do is let Him strengthen your inner man so that Christ will dwell in your heart and influence how you feel, how you think, and ultimately your behavior, and then the world around you. Your heart is where your beliefs live. And your heart can believe deceptions. You know, I don't, I'll, I'll go over these. I am just kind of wanted to give an introduction. And, but <clears throat> it calls your heart incorruptible, but it can be deceived. In other words, it's a new heart that you've been given. It's after God's own heart. I mean, think about it. Dave, he said of David, this is a man after my own heart. This is, this is you got a heart that's like God's heart. Can you let that, can you live from a place where you're living from here rather than from here? Because remember, we think, well, if I understand everything, then it's going to work out. If I just get the right information, then I can make it work. No. That's like telling a seed how to grow. I mean, you can understand, and see, that's why I caution, because sometimes when people get turned on to this information, they start to feel like, oh, this, this is it. This is what's going to fix all my problems. This is finally now the new information that I have to fix myself, and then I can have it all. No, this is not, it's not that. You don't, you don't ever have to know this stuff or not. It's like understanding a seed or not. I mean, you could understand the germination of a seed and what happens all on the inside or not, it doesn't stop you from throwing it in the ground, watering it, growing, right? It's the same thing. The kingdom of God has been planted into your heart. And I pray that your heart, the roots of your heart are growing into God so that fruit is born this way instead of the roots of your heart growing into the world and death happening inside there. Because you're not going to change God. And you're not going to change your spirit. It just stops there. It hardens and desensitizes you know, it's like for the picture there, if your roots were growing deep into the world this way, the only fruit that's going to bear on this side is it gets thicker and harder, and your heart begins to harden toward God. Now, when you die, you just cross on over, and you're still righteous and accepted and loved and all that. But in this life, our hearts can become so hard that we don't let Him bear fruit in our lives. Sin hardens your heart, it doesn't separate you from God. That's why you should stay out of sin. That's why you, if, you, if you need to do some dramatic things out here to separate yourself from the opportunity to sin so that it doesn't get into here and begin to affect your heart so it doesn't harden. But sin will not go and affect your spirit. It just won't. It can't. God has already dealt with every sin 
in Christ on your behalf. There's nothing left for God to hold against you. That's why this is safe and secure over here. But is our heart soft toward Him? Are we in faith toward Him? Now, you know what else hardens your heart? Worry. Doubt. Fear. Lust of other things. Cares of this world. And the deceitfulness of riches. Hardens your heart. Does that mean you're evil? No. Does that mean you're going to lose your salvation? No. It just means you're limiting what God can do through you. We know all throughout history that God has been after the heart of man. That's what he wants. He wants to, do what, he wants to commune with the heart of mankind. You go back and you look at the children of Israel. <clears throat> it says that the children of Israel limited the Holy One of Israel. Well, how did they limit him? When it says that they tested him in the wilderness... The way they tested him and the way they limited him was that they didn't mix faith in their heart with the promise. Now, see, they weren't born again, but they still had a heart that could believe and trust God, right? So the reason the, the children of Israel, the Israelites, didn't march the... I mean, it's, some say a week, some say six weeks, however long it is that they could have left Egypt and gone straight to the promised land. It wasn't 40 years, just a couple of weeks. The reason God continued to lead, and he says this, and I'll bring all this stuff out as we go, but the reason that they wandered around in the desert was not because they were so wicked that he was withholding the promise from them. Now, this relates to where we are now in God, and we feel like we're in the wilderness and the desert wandering around sometimes not entering into the promise that we know he has for us. He very clearly says the reason they wandered around in the desert was because they limited him. So he wasn't keeping them in the desert to withhold the blessing from them. He was actually protecting them because their hearts weren't at a place where they could go into a land full of giants and trust him to fight and kill those giants and actually take the land. In other words, it's like, it's not my timing. You ain't ready. You aren't ready to go and cross the Jordan and go in to face these kinds of circumstances that you're going to have to face. I'm going to have to keep, I've got to protect you here. I can't, I can't let you go here. I mean, some of y'all, if y'all hit the lottery, you'd be dead. I don't mean God's withholding you from winning the lottery. I just mean, you know, finances. You won't let yourself experience extravagant financial abundance, blessing from him because, see, now we know internally where our limitations are because we're either more focused on or influenced by the world or by him. God's not withholding finances from you. You won't let yourself experience it. So the children of Israel stuck in the desert was because once they got to that land, God knew they'd probably die. So he protected them until their hearts were at a place where they could trust him to fight and kill and conquer those giants. Now, see, it can happen in an instant that the change in your heart happens where you stop limiting him. There's not a whole bunch of work that you got to do to get your heart there. In fact, it's already there. The there, the promise, the everything that God has, it is just one decision 
I dare say, one repentance away from experiencing it. And what does repent mean? Change your mind. mind. Are you sure? Because I thought it meant we all come down here at the front and beg and plead and tell God how sorry we are and maybe he forgives us then. No, that's not what repentance. Repentance is, here's repentance. My mind and thoughts are full of what's happening out here. I don't want that anymore. I am intentionally going to choose to turn my mind and my heart and my thoughts toward God and be influenced by Him. That's repentance. Metanoia, change your mind. I'm not going to look that way. I'm going to look this way. Because when I look this way, the flood of the Holy Spirit that is just itching to break through into your life will be unhindered, and he will explode into your life. He's waiting for you to trust because he's given dominion over this planet to mankind, and we rule it from our hearts. We rule it from our identity, so to speak. We rule and reign on this planet based on who we think we are. And so what we need to do is understand who we are from this place based on his love for us. Now... I'll get kind of technical and talk about maybe some quantum things and, and, and the science of the physical heart because it's, you know, we've got another book back there called Heart Math Solutions. It's not from a Christian perspective, so be forewarned if you read it. We're not New Agers, but it's just science that they've done on the heart, the physical heart. Your physical heart has more neurons than your brain does. In other words, the neurons are where your memory is stored. So your heart has more of a capacity to remember than your brain does. Interesting, right? Your physical heart has a beat, and it has an electromagnetic impulse that comes out of it. When when you go to the, you ever had an EEG or EKG? Is it the beat that they measure, or is it the electrical current coming off the heart? I mean, it's the current, right? They have done some studies where that electrical current that comes out of your heart goes up to, uh, I can't remember, 60 feet. But, but that's basically just where they stopped measuring it. In other words, this, this electric current that comes out of your heart goes all over the place. And what's interesting is it's magnetic in nature. So I'll talk about some of that stuff. I don't, I don't want to get too out there because I want to be able to back up what we're, where we're going to go. All of that to say, even your physical heart has, a, has an impact on the world around you. You know, you see some people. Now, think about this. I'm just going to go there because I feel like we should. I'll just, I'll, just, I'll just give this one idea. Some of you find yourselves in the same situations over and over and over. You, you see an opportunity. You think, this is going to be it. This is the one. This is the guy. This is the girl. This is the job. This is the car. This is, the, this is it. And it's like you're attracted to that thing. Well, what if the attraction that you're putting out there that comes out of your heart is an improper belief of who you think that you are and it's not rooted in God? And what if even this electric current that comes out of your heart is encoded with your beliefs that may or may not be true And it's causing you to attract things to you that match the erroneous belief or the truth in your heart. 
And you keep finding yourself in the same abusive situation over and over again. You keep finding yourself in the dead-end job over and over again. It's like, it's like, it's like there's hardwired programming that leads you to these same situations over and over. You know what I'm talking about? It's not just random. It's not just happenstance. It's based on what you believe in your heart, even the way that affects how you see yourself and your mind and, and the world around you, even on an even on a electromagnetic magnetic level, the beliefs of your heart are attracting to you like matters, things that match the belief. This is a big deal. Now, it can get weird, and I know I lost some of you, and you're thinking, I don't know if I want to go there with it. I'd rather keep it. Let's just keep the spiritual stuff, but, you, you know, I, I, I think it'll at least help you as we go through it. But what the Bible talks about the heart is, is it Proverbs 23, 7? Above all else, guard your heart. Uh, you know, that's what it says. It says, above all else, guard or keep your heart. The most important thing you can do as a believer is protect or guard your heart because out of it flows all the issues of life. Or another translation says, out of it, everything to do with life happens. Everything to do with life comes out of your heart. Guard your heart. Because the only thing you want coming out of it is the kingdom. Not regurgitating the fear that you've put in there, the worry that you've put in there, the tragedy that happened to you when you were 12 that still affects how you feel about yourself, affecting your heart and redefining yourself over and over again based on tragedy, not letting your new identity affect your heart, and change how you see yourself. Learning how to minister to your heart, learning how to let the Spirit of God minister to your heart, it's how you overcome the past. It's how you overcome sin. It's how you overcome any and everything. Because you become confident from the heart in God, and, and it's, like, it's like God is like electricity. You plug in, it's going to go. When you make that connection, it's going to go. It's like your heart is where the connection is made. And you can't stop it. I mean, you know, you see some people, and it's like, why, why does it just work out for that person? And they can't even really explain it. You know what I mean? A believer that knows how to trust God in a particular area. Just say finances. It's like some, people, some believers you know, it's like they, they bump their toe and make money. It's because in their heart, they are not limiting God in that area. They, they, they are convinced that God is their provider, and it just happens. It's just blessing, blessing and favor. They just let happen. You don't get more. See, we've taught that we need God to show up out here and give us some favor, and then it'll help us here, and then we'll believe. Favor, all, everything that God has for you is by grace through faith. It's by him having given it to you in Christ, which is in your inner man and in your inner being. And we are to tend the garden of our heart, guard our heart to the degree that we are letting it go into our, the rest of our lives. And it's a battle because your thoughts feel real. 
especially if you let the same emotions continue to dwell within you based on lies or the fear or the worry or the guilt or the shame or the sin, that sin that we so easily keep falling into, it will affect you. It starts to change how you feel on the inside and you have a choice. Are you then going to do whatever it takes for you to let your feelings and your thoughts be influenced by truth? Or are you going to continue to let that death reign in there and just harden your heart even more? This is the battle we all face. I feel this. This is a reality. This is a reality in my life. I, I have debt. I am depressed. I have anxiety. I feel those things. Those are things that are very real in this world. How do I overcome those things? You have to be able to bring all of those thoughts into agreement with the obedience of Christ. What was Christ obedient to? What did he earn in his obedience? And let his obedience, in other words, everything that he accomplished on your behalf, affect how you feel. Probably one of the most difficult, but one of the most transformative things that you can do is learn how to put aside lies, Mm -hmm. specifically the feelings or the emotions of those lies, and then let yourself feel what's true. Some of us don't know how to do that. Especially when you've got the the bank calling or the tow truck's out there in the car ready to pick your car up, you know. That's real. It's like, wait a minute. That's real. I feel that. Okay, but there is a greater reality. There is a greater truth. Can you, just as much as you would look at something that happens in this life and assess it and judge it and take it in and let it create a reaction within you, can you do the same thing over the finished work of Jesus until it creates a reaction within you? See, because when you can, when you can look at the cross and look at the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus to the effect, to the, to the point that it changes how you feel about God and yourself and what He's willing to do through you, it, it just will, it will automatically bear fruit. Now again, you don't have to try and figure out how to fix your heart. You don't have to see the heart is already doing all this stuff naturally as it is anyway. It's not like you got to try to figure out how to get your heart to let the kingdom grow. It's trying. The heart's going to do what it's going to do. It is doing what it was designed to do. It's either limiting the kingdom or letting it grow based on what you're allowing to dwell within there. You don't have to fix your heart. You don't have to get it to work. You don't have to get any of this stuff to work. Your only job, per se, is guard your heart. Tend the garden of your heart so that it's more aware and more influenced by what God says is true than what's even physically happening in this world. You know, that's why Paul, he's locked in prison and he's worshiping. There's a greater reality. That's why you've got these missionaries that are facing Islamic beheadings. And it's like... My head? I I didn't need that anyway. Because I'm here with God. You know what I mean? I mean, in anything. And it's like you have to be able to let, you have to be able to be in here at a place where you're not holding on to the world 
to where you can hold on to him. You know? Well, I have to draw a little hand on the heart too, right? It's only got one hand. You know how they catch monkeys? I don't even know if this is true, but it'll, it preaches well, so I'm going to tell you anyway. They say, whoever they is, to catch a monkey, what they'll do is have these cages, and the cages are only about this big. And they put a banana in there, and it's fixed, and the monkey will go up and stick its hand through the bars and grab the banana, and when it closes its fist, it's bigger then the opening of the rail, and it won't let go of that banana. And they just walk up, clock the monkey on the head, and they got monkey for dinner. It, it holds on to that banana in spite of death coming. I mean, it's like freaking out. That's what we do. We hold on to fear and worry like because, it's, because we think it's real. It's like, this is real. I'm holding on to this. I understand it makes sense because you can see it with your own two eyes that you're holding on to what happened to you, what that person did to you. You're holding on to the fact that that debt is real. I get that. But can you let it go and trust that as you hold on to God, He doesn't reward you for that behavior. It just puts you in a place where you're going to let His influence happen in your life. Like no sugar. What are you talking about? Because well, you're gonna have to make me spin that so I can preach it. So. Because I've been addicted to sugar forever, and all of a sudden, just this meditation and just asking God, what would it take for me to feel better, to be more healthy? And one morning I woke up last week, and the Lord said, "Stop eating sugar." And I said, "I can't do that." <laughs> Day 10. Praise God. Yeah, it's true. And, and, you know, when you make decisions like that, there's going to be a battle. And when you're holding on to God, it's effortless. That's where the supernatural aspect happens. You know, you can, you can experience absolute supernatural deliverance from things like that. And, or you can go back and forth sometimes, you know, those days where it's like, ooh, I really want that Snickers bar. <clears throat> you're kind of thinking right here, you know. It's, there's got to be a reason why we know that all his promises are yes and amen, but we're not experiencing them. The reason is not him deciding to withhold from you. It's something else happening. It's not him favoring one over the other. It's not timing that needs to happen before you have the healing. It's everything to do with what's going on on the inside. Mark 4, I'll give you this homework too. Go read Mark 4, Matthew 13, and understand that it is about the heart. It is a parable about the heart. And he talks about the four different kinds of heart conditions, not the four different kinds of people, but the different things that can go on in your heart and what happens at a heart level. And he says, if you don't understand this, you're not going to understand anything that I teach. I'm not saying that this is the thing that makes it all work. I'm just saying Jesus puts so much emphasis on the heart, and it's kind of a missing element within Christianity. You know, it's, it's so much external teaching that we get within Christianity. It's get this cleaned up. This, here's how you vote, and here's how you should eat, and here's how you should treat your kids, and here's how you should treat your wife, and here's how you should dress, and here's how you should... It's like, oh, man, really? I want to... Here's how you should believe. 
all that stuff will just bear itself. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you that you've given us this new heart. As we take this journey of transformation, we never, ever abandon the finished work of Jesus. We never take upon ourselves the the responsibility to become more holy or to become more spiritual. We only want to take upon ourselves the responsibility to trust you, the responsibility to stay in faith from our hearts towards you because we know that your nature is just to bear fruit in our lives as we stay focused on you, as we are confident in you. Holy Spirit, we give you total permission to teach us, to lead us and guide us, to to show us the decisions that we need to make to stop limiting God. God, we're willing to change behaviors, yes, but we know it's not the behavior that releases the blessing. We're just willing to get every aspect of our being in alignment so that you would be glorified through us. Father, we are committed to you. We trust you. We believe you. We love you because you love us. And we want to see you glorified and bear fruit through us. Amen.